Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I am recording this episode here in Paradise Valley, Arizona, uh, where my wife and I are staying. I've got a great view of the city here. Uh, we're up on a hill. Um, the, the weather's beautiful. It's a little cool today. I'm actually still wearing my Kuyu shorts, but uh, had a good hike today and really enjoying being here uh, we left Colorado around mid-November, and we've just uh, really enjoyed coming back to the sunshine. Uh, had a great sheep hunt with Logan Hall, and um, Dar Colburn is down in Mexico right now with a group of coos deer hunters, and I'm headed down uh, here uh, roughly in about a week and look forward to getting down to Mexico. I thought I would answer a bunch of listener questions and Instagram follower questions and uh, I always love interacting with you guys. So uh, let's just dive right into it. First question, it says, uh, Jay, I know you're not into javelina, but I love hunting those little things. Can you do an episode on javelina? Um, yes, I'll try and do a javelina episode, uh, maybe something that'll air beginning of February. Um, one of the interesting things about javelina is um, I'm around them a lot. I don't actually hunt them very much. Uh, I've spent so much time down in Mexico the month of January, uh, pretty much all of January the last 21 years, uh, that I just don't, the timing doesn't work out to get to hunt them myself. Uh, but the funny thing is I'm actually around javelina virtually every day that I'm in Mexico. It's very rare to go a day without seeing them down there. And uh, they're really, really cool animals. Um, if you haven't seen them or hunted them, I highly recommend it. It is, um, it, they're a great spot and stock animal. They really can't see very well at all. Um, they have a really good nose and, and they hear pretty darn good as well. Um, but they're a great archery target. They're a great animal for first time hunters, youth hunters, uh, just people you're trying to get into the sport because normally, uh, you know, they're out during the day. They're not as finicky as deer. You know, usually they're out in the wide open. Um, if you can find prickly pear, uh, uh, any type of roots, they love rooting stuff up. They love prickly pear and, uh, you know, down in the Sonoran Desert, the javelina are pretty much prevalent everywhere. And um, they're a neat animal because they're out during the day. You can spot them from a long ways off with binoculars uh, and you can move in. They're not necessarily extremely wary. They have a great nose, so you definitely have to stay downwind. But uh, I know a lot of uh, people that really enjoy hunting them. I know my friend Brian Rimza, he likes to go every single year and that guy's literally shot everything under the sun and he still likes to hunt them every year um, but uh, just a neat animal especially a really cool animal for bow um, but I, I highly recommend anyone that hasn't javelina hunted uh, get out there and and get after them there's a question here that says what is needed to hunt in Mexico um, really contractually you have to have a contract with a Mexican owner or Mexican outfitter so the way they the way that mexico does their tags it's all private land and the way they do their tags is uh, landowners uh, can go in and get their ranch registered once they get it registered they are a certified what we would call like outfitter or owner of property that is allowed to give landowner tags so to speak and all you have to do is have a contract with a mexican owner you have to run your gun permit through and get it from the Mexican military. And most of the time, uh, the Mexican landowners that have gotten the ranches registered, gotten an UMA, U-M-A registration number, uh, know where to get the guns registered. And then a good attitude. Um, I say that with a thumbs up because uh, Mexico is a, an amazing place. And this will be my 21st season in Mexico going down for coos deer uh, hunting in Sonora, Mexico. Done a little bit in Chihuahua as well, but, but most all of the hunting I've done is, is in Sonora, Mexico. And it's just an amazing place. Uh, you know, December, January, early February, the weather is usually awesome. Uh, you know, you're typically you've got uh, mornings in the, you know, 20s. It usually warms up into the 60s during the day and it's just a super fun time to hunt and then the coos deer the month of january especially in the middle of january are rutting 
And it's um, really the only opportunity we get as coos deer hunters to get to hunt those animals while they're rutting. And, um, you know, you take an animal that's so, so wary and so hard to find, and um, they, they let their guard down a little bit, especially during the rut. Question, uh, ever hunted South Dakota muleys looking at hitting the southwest part of the state? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, thanks for the question, but I have not hunted uh, in, in North Dakota or South Dakota. Says, uh, Sonoran coos deer hunt mid-January. What would be your gear list? Well, first and foremost, my 15 by 56 Swarovskis, um, my Swarovski 95 millimeter spotting scope, um, I slick carbon fiber tripod, a Kuyu 7000 Ultra Pack, or 7200 Icon Pro. Um, my Kuyu 145 uh, Merino Zip Tees. The one thing I like about the Zip Tee is that it comes up a little bit higher around my neck. And so I get, I'm pretty fair skinned. And so as much coverage as I can get from my clothing and my gear from the sun i try and take advantage of that and i like that 145 zip tee and i zip it all the way up and try and get as much uh, sun protection as i can uh, also a peloton 240 hoodie and they also make just a peloton 240 i always try and go with the hoodie if it's offered um, again i feel like it gives that little bit of added extra warmth and I feel like it also gives me sun protection. If I'm glassing, I can always pull that hood up and it, it, you know, it provides me shade and it provides, you know, the sun isn't just pounding on the back of my neck. Uh, the Super Down Pro Jacket uh, is always in my backpack. Uh, this will be the first year down in Mexico that I've been, been able to use the Pro because they just came out with it. Before that, it was the uh, Super Down Ultra uh, and using that Super Down Ultra, I just love that jacket. It's so lightweight. Again, I go with the hooded version, uh, but that Super Down Pro is double the insulation. It's just, just for me, it's a much warmer piece. It's a little bit heavier for sure, but the extra insulation for me is worth it. I typically can get um, cold fairly easy, so that Super Down Pro and Super Down Pro, uh, Pro ja jacket and pants, uh, the pants are phenomenal. Um, you get those real cold mornings. I was using them on the Ot 6 when we'd had, you know, four to six inches of snow on the ground. Those, those pants make all the difference in the world when you're glassing. Um, now, you don't want to wear necessarily the Super Down Pro jacket and pants hiking uh, because down is not a material that, that breathes very well. Uh, but it is a, a phenomenal piece of gear. Um, so that's going to be in my pack. Uh, as well as the guide glove, the 145 neck gaiter. And the neck gaiter uh, primarily is also to keep the sun off my face. I, I usually wear the neck gaiter um, pulled up kind of right up underneath my nose and across, so basically across my cheek line um, and just try and stay out of that sun as much as possible. Uh, then a 240 beanie. I love that beanie. Um, I have several of them. I wear them all the time. I wear them hiking early in the morning uh, here in Arizona, uh, and I wear them. I wear them all over. I wear them hunting. I just really like that piece of gear. Uh, then I just wear an Kuyu Icon cap. Uh, another piece of gear is a phone scope adapter. Uh, phone scope adapter is always on my iPhone 10. That's what I take my uh, videos and my photos with uh, that you see on my Instagram. Don't forget, PhoneScope is a sponsor of the podcast, and if you use the JScott18 uh, promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, also, Onyx Maps, this year is a new addition uh, for me for gear in Mexico. I'm using the Onyx Maps feature uh, for my ranches uh, down in Mexico. Now, uh, interesting, I had it last year, but I actually didn't think about it uh, working, but... Um, the topo portion of the Onyx map in Mexico does not work, but what does work is the aerial portion. And it's nice to be able to do all my work on Google Earth and then save those folders on my desktop and then import them into my Onyx map uh, desktop version. And then once I import them on my Onyx map desktop version, uh, they automatically transfer 
uh, onto my uh, phone app on you know on my iPhone 10, and then I have all the roads, water tanks, boundary fences, um, you know, glassing points, all the points of interest right there on my phone. And I was down a couple weeks ago scouting in Mexico, and man, it was awesome to be able to um, know where everything was and be able to zoom in. And the other thing I do is I go in and I save on the highest resolution which is the five, you have a choice, I think it's five mile, uh, 10 mile, and maybe 50 mile um, resolution, and I do the highest resolution. So some of the ranches, you know, it takes two, three, four maps to save. But then once you get down there, you don't need phone service, and you can zoom in really tight. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can look at look at ridges you can look at glassing points you can look at canyons you know you can if you've got a buck on an opposite ridge you can pull it up if you don't know what's on the other side it's just an awesome tool so hopefully that answers your question also trekking poles i don't go anywhere uh don't go on any hunts anymore without trekking poles says with kuyu discontinuing the peloton briefs do you anticipate them coming out with ultra merino briefs uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. I'd have to ask them that question. Uh, I know uh, Jason surrounded himself with some phenomenal people there at Kuyu, and innovation never rests. Uh, Jason used to always say that. And I know that Brendan and Sean and some of the guys over there at Kuyu definitely have something up their sleeve. I just don't know what it is, but it's a good question. Uh, question here, 10 by 42 or 10 by 50 Swarovski ELs for Montana mule deer hunt. Uh, I would say both are f fantastic. Uh, the 10 by 50 is going to have an exit pupil of five, The whereas the exit pupil on the 10 by 42s is going to be a little bit smaller at 4.2. Um, I think for hand holding wise, the 10 by 42s are probably going to be a little bit better at least with my hands. My hands have just a little bit of shake, a little bit of vibration to them. Uh, so the 1042 would probably be my choice for uh, muleys in Montana. Uh, question here, the most tool thing a client has done when you're guiding ever had to dump a client mid-hunt? Uh, the answer is I've been blessed uh, for 20 years with great clients. Um, if the client has a bad experience, I consider that the guide's fault. Um, even though there can be some people that can be difficult to deal with, I think one of your roles as a guide, one of the reasons you get paid, quote unquote, the big bucks is you have to be able to handle those situations. You have to be able to communicate with people. And, you know, if, if they're doing something that is just not tolerated or, or not to be tolerated, um, and, and, you know, messing up the group dynamic or what have you, if you're guiding with other people in camp, I mean, you just need to take the guy aside and you need to have a conversation and, um, you know, you need to tell them that everybody needs to be a grown up and everybody needs to get along. Um, usually if you can communicate well and you can take charge and take control of a situation, uh, that usually cuts down on, on any problems, but, uh, virtually had no problems over the last 20 years says, how do you develop relationships with you have with Mexican ranchers? You know, it's been 20 years of, of doing what I say and doing what I promise and honoring my commitments, um, you know, getting my deposits in on time, getting my, you know, my final deposits, uh, however the payments need to be made, uh, handling the property as if, if it was mine, uh, taking care of uh, you know, the people that work on the ranches, uh, and just trying to have a good relationship. I've been very, very fortunate over the last 20 years to have some very good relationships. Uh, you know, I've got some that are t 20 years long, and um, I do that by uh, being stri straight up, being honest. Uh, I've had lots of situations where, say, uh, you know, we've hunted property for years, and you know, finally, after years of hunting it, the decline, the quality of deer maybe, or, or, or something like that, where I just have to come to the owner and I have to lay it out there straight. And, um, you know, sometimes that, that means them saying, well, you know, I still want to do the six tags on the ranch and I understand what you're saying, but that's what I want to do. And sometimes that means me moving on and, and finding other ranches and what have you. But then there's sometimes when the ranchers say, you know, I know you guys shoot quality deer. Uh, I know, you know, you, you're, the U.S. hunters want to come and have a great experience and they want to be chasing, you know, 100-inch deer plus. 
And so I get it and let's, let's amend these tags back and, you know, let's drop it down to, you know, three or four tags for a couple years. Um, or let's do some predator control or, you know, certain things that we can do, they can do on there and maybe run a few less cattle, uh, that make it for better deer hunting. So I've always found that communicating, uh, the best that I can with the owners is the best, uh, way to handle it and be upfront, you know, say, listen, you know, um, we could hunt eight or 10 deer on this property for a couple years, but you're literally going to wipe the property out. And then I'm not going to want to be here, nor is any other outfitter. And, you know, we're better off doing, you know, say five or six tags and, you know, four, four or five tags, whatever it may be. And, you know, hunting this thing for the next 15 years. But if you over hunt a property, uh, you can, you can very quickly, uh, shoot a property out. So it's important to have a good relationship with uh, your ranch owners. It says, what do you find most challenging on a remote solo hunt? I uh, got to be honest, I don't do much solo hunting. I like hunting with friends. Uh, I don't really get into the solo thing. I love scouting by myself uh, and I love glassing by myself. But uh, as far as going somewhere just completely by myself, um, hunting to me is a, a community deal. I love going with my hunting partner, Dar Colburn. I go, I love going with other friends and, and family and such. And it's, uh, to me, it's not about getting off by myself. Uh, it, it's, it's about working together to find, you know, big deer, big elk, big sheep, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, hunting with people that you're just as happy if they harvest something big and giant as if you, you, you shoot it yourself. And, you know, I've had people over the years hear me say that and they're just like, oh, boy, you want to shoot a big one? Yeah, of course. I want to shoot the biggest thing that I can and have a great hunt. But um, there's nothing like having a long relationship with friends. And, you know, we're, when Dar shoots something big, I'm, I'm more happy that he shot it than I am. Uh, and I work harder to find him a big deer than I probably would for myself. So um, it's just fun to do it that way. So I, you know, hats off to those guys that really love that solo stuff. It's just not, uh, not really my gig. It says, how do I locate coos in new areas, especially in January? Um, again, it's pretty simple. My strategy and tactics, as well as, you know, I, f I feel like Dar's strategy and tactics of finding new places and finding new deer is just get up and glass see new knobs, get up on new ridgelines, get up in new country and just look in new bowls and new, new canyons and, you know, just cover country. Look at the maps, you know, your Google Earth maps, your Onyx maps and, and mark out points and just say, I'm just going to go glass off that point in the morning and see what I see. And, you know, at that point you'll evaluate and say, man, very low de deer density, didn't see anything. I need to be over on that point and just bounce around. Um, so many people, I think, think that it's some big secret. It's really not. It's like, get up and see what your eyeballs tell you, you know, drive around to water holes and check tracks and check sign and, and, you know, just see what you can find as far as numbers. And then, and then try and, you know, spread out from there and see, see if you can find something old and mature, you know, something giant. Um, that's how we do it. There's really no secret. You just got to keep moving till you find them says uh are there only coos deer in mexico or are there whitetails too um actually mexico has a number of of types of deer uh, but the coos deer uh, are my favorite they also have the croaky mule deer they also have the you know the the typical you know sonoran what i would call like more like our rocky mountain mule deer down by hermosillo you know the big wide you know, big deer. And then you've got the croaky deer, which, you know, normally about 170 inch croaky, croaky, croaky. I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's C-R-O-O-K-I. Um, you know, those bucks usually the biggest ones will be, you know, 170, maybe 180. Uh, whereas some of those Hermosillo deer, you know, get 220, 230, you know, big, big deer. There's also, I mean, there's Carmen Mountain Whitetail, there's deer in Cohila, there's deer in, there, there, there's tons of deer in, in Mexico, but I focus primarily on coos deer. Here's a question. Best part of the season for dull sheep hunting? Uh, one of the, I've got some bullet points here. Flying in a super cub, 
to and from the hunting area was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and even flying some of the bigger planes uh, into, uh, you know, say from Norman Wells into the Arctic Red River Base Camp, uh, you know, smaller plane, not as small as a Super Cub, but just, just amazing countryside out there. And it's really cool to see it from, from a bird's eye view. But, uh, you know, the best part of, of doll sheep hunting to me is getting to see that incredible, crazy country and then getting to be around some of these amazing guides uh, and some of these people that have just a true passion for doll sheep. And, you know, I was with uh, Al Clausen there at Arctic Red River. And, um, you know, I think he's I think he's killed 22 sheep uh, himself and like 140. I think it's 140. He's been on 140 tall sheep kills. It's just amazing to see the passion that he has, and you know the sparkle and the twinkle in his eye when he's looking for a doll sheep. Much like uh, you know I do for coos deer or, or desert sheep. You know the area that we tend to grow up in and live in. It we we have just a a passion for those animals, and that was one of the things that I really liked. Uh, on the doll sheep hunt, uh, as well as like Lance Kronberger and his guides there in Alaska, just awesome guides, uh, just just really awesome guides that uh, really knew what they were doing and were energetic and just fired up to go look for doll sheep. And then, you know, just getting to enjoy God's creation uh, is, is, is an amazing thing. Question here, uh, what kind of food is in your pack for a day in the field? Uh, it probably depends on what hunt it is. Um, but you know, I would say like pro bars, uh, I found that I like the, uh, peanut butter pro bar, the, the, uh, let's see, the almond coconut, uh, is a good one. The banana nut, um, and then those super fruit. I like all of those different flavors. Uh, and I like macadamia nuts. I like both salted and unsalted, uh, all types of jerky and beef sticks, uh, I love a good salami sandwich, just dry with, uh, you know, good, good pepper jack cheese, just dry on a piece of bread. Uh, and then sometimes I'll eat a pop tart or granola bars, uh, and lots and lots of water. That's all I drink. Question here. Do you ever get tired of people asking about units instead of just glassing? I think the question refers to people that are asking me places and spots and areas to go instead of just getting out and glassing on their own. I don't mind it at all. Um, I know that when I'm hunting a new area or a new state or a new unit or whatever, you know, I ask all kinds of questions to people as well. I try and call, you know, other outfitters. I try and call uh, Forest Service, BLM, you know, whoever will talk to me. Um, so I, I don't mind the questions at all. The one, the one thing I just need to point out, like I said before, is, you know, a lot of the great hunters that I've been around, it just, they just go out and do it. They just go out and get up on a high knob and they just use their eyes and, and, you know, maybe during the day they're down checking water holes, looking at tracks. I mean, tracks don't lie. So you're up there, you're glassing and then you're down checking tracks on water. I mean, if you're finding tracks and you're, you know, then you know that there's animals there. If you're not finding tracks and you're not seeing animals off high points, then you probably need to move on. So uh, any good books or advice for learning how to invest money? You know, um, that's a good question. I, I, I've never been one to think that you can get a ton of value out of a book. Um, and, and let me back up by saying there's a lot of great books out there that you can learn a lot of stuff. And I'm highly um, sensitive to, you know, trying to tell people not to learn because that's not what I'm saying. I just, you got to watch the guys that are selling a book, the guys that are selling a tape, the guys that are selling a you know, a podcast where you've got to, you know, sign up to be a member, where you've got to, you know, sign up for the premium membership, those kind of things, um, because they're trying to sell you something, uh, you know, but to answer the question, there's, there's, uh, um, Robert Kiyosaki did a rich dad, poor dad, and I think he just paints a perfect analogy of two different upbringings of, uh, 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 upbringing with a rich dad and upbringing with a poor dad and the different philosophies that they have. And I think people sometimes get their mindset wrong and then they end up living their whole life with a mindset that is, that is um, negative 
or that doesn't allow for growth, doesn't allow for uh, a little bit of risk and a little bit of opportunity, and it doesn't allow for seizing an opportunity. Um, so, you know, I would definitely recommend Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think it opens, sheds some light uh, on some different things that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people could take uh, note of. Uh, the other thing is I would ask uh, people that are, you know, you don't ask someone how to coos deer hunt that's never coos deer hunted. And you don't ask someone how to coos deer hunt who, you know, hasn't been out there and harvested and, you know, guided and, and, you know, hunted those animals a lot. So, you know, I think some of the, the best advice you can get is from, you know, maybe the 10 people that, that you look at that are the most well off and take them to lunch and say, you know, how, how do you invest your money? What do you do with your funds? You know, how does your money grow? You know, how do you spot a good investment? Now, it, it's kind of a funny thing because it's, I always tell people, and, and it's not true all the time, but some of the smartest people I know are the worst people with money. Some of the smartest, you know, doctors and lawyers and um, those type of people that make tons and tons of money, they don't know how to invest their money. They are good at being a doctor and making a ton of money, but they don't know how to invest money. So, you know, don't just necessarily go to the most well-off people you know. Maybe go to some of those people that have, you know, middle-income jobs, but they've been able to spread that money and make that money work for them. Um, that would be some advice I'd give you. Question here, uh, let's see. Why don't you have someone filming all of your hunts? Well, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, early on we did quite a bit of filming with Steve Chappell on the Extreme Bowl series, and we did an Extreme Coos. We even did an Extreme Gobblers DVD. I think Steve did a very, very good job filming those and editing those. And, and um, you know, Dar and I just did it because we loved to hunt, and it was a perfect opportunity to you know, film and share the passion that we have. I, I believe somewhat we were a little bit of ahead of our time, uh, meaning we were kind of doing videos and stuff when it was very, very early on. Um, and probably if I was a lot younger, when the video thing really got going here, say in the last, you know, s 10 to f five to 10 years, um, you know, I probably would have uh, done a lot more videos than I did. Uh, but for me, it just comes down to, um, I feel like a lot of videos and, and such that are out there, it's, you know, people are, you know, trying to film their hunts. They're, they're, and this doesn't apply to everyone because I, I don't want to be misunderstood because there are a lot of great videographers out there that are bringing value. And, but then there, I feel like there's a lot of the outdoor television and stuff. It's just guys trying to be famous, guys being fake. Um, guys trying to film shows that they could literally care less about, um, trying to show fake stuff, uh, trying to make the hunt different than it is. And it's just something I'm not interested in. I want to hunt hard. Uh, you know, if, if anything, if I did videos, they would be instructional. They would be educational. Uh, they would try and bring people value that are watching, not just entertainment value. I'm not a very entertaining person, for one. Um, I'm not a very entertaining person to talk to. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, um, it's really not my thing. But I do love educating. I do love informing. I do love sharing uh, things that I've learned. And I just really have no desire to be uh, any type of celebrity. I have really no desire to be any, you know, famous. Um, now, granted, with a lot of the stuff that I'm doing and that I've done, some of that comes my way, um, but it's very humbling. But that is absolutely not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to help others. Guy says, if I'm not seeing anything great on my deer hunt, should I just keep moving or, excuse me, just keep grinding? And I I would say, you know, it's hard to say, um, yes, keep grinding, but like if you're in just a, just a crappy spot, you need to pick up and you need to move. Like if your goal is to see deer and you're not seeing them, you need to keep moving until you do. Now that doesn't mean that the deer aren't right under your nose and you're just not looking hard enough. But if you feel like you've pounded the country, 
Um, there's no need to sit there and grind it out. Now, if, if there's a specific buck that you know, you know, you're looking for a big cooster buck and you know he lives in that canyon or in a series of canyons, then yeah, you need to pound it out till you find and kill that buck. Um, but, you know, if, if you're just not seeing deer, um, and this applies to any animals, you know, if you're not seeing elk, if you're not seeing sheep, if you're not seeing bears, you know, if you're not seeing what you're after, then yeah, move country, continue to move and continue to glass with diligence uh, and persistence until you, you know, you find the pockets and you find the areas where, uh, where what you're looking for lives and, you know, check tracks and just keep pounding. Um, but definitely if, if it's just a desert and just a ghost town, you need to move and find new country for sure. Uh, best camera for digiscoping, you know, ever since they made the phone scope, uh, and, and to be honest with you, these, you know, iPhone six, seven, eights and tens, uh, they, they take such good video. Um, you know, I was real big early on and you know some of the old uh digiscoping adapters that literally we darn i were gluing you know pvc together and all sorts of stuff to get you know videos with with the little cameras and such and the little power shot uh canon cameras and the little sony's and um but ever since they made these phone scope adapters it made it very very easy but i think even more than that is these phones now take such great photos, the quality and the, uh, the ability to focus and the ability to take, you know, HD 4K video. Um, I just don't see the need for having any sort of regular camera for digiscoping. Now, I will tell you that for years I used the uh, Swarovski TLS-APO, A-P-O, TLS-APO, so it's TLS-APO, adapter and I used a Canon SL1 um, which is a lightweight little um, camera body and was able to put that TLS APO adapter on and on on top of my Swarovski spotting scope and just an amazing results uh, with that um, but it's heavier it's bulkier and I don't focus as much on getting photos uh, through my phone scope. I do more videoing, and it's just way easier with the phone scope uh, to video. It says, do you ever call deer during the pre-rut or actual peak of the rut? I don't. Um, I don't really mess with that, but I heard it works. I mean, doe bleeding, uh, fawn in distress during the rut will bring in uh, does, which then the bucks will follow. I know guys down in Sonora, Mexico do a lot of that actually from a high rack vehicle. They'll get up and really blow those doe distress calls and the results that they tell me about are amazing. It's just not um, something that I've really ever been into that much. This one says, uh, practicality, Jeep or side-by-side -side in the Sonoran Desert? Uh, I'm going to say no doubt, no doubt a side-by-side. -side. Uh, for me, every Jeep that I've ever ridden in just rides like an absolute tank. Um, I actually drive a uh, Polaris Ranger Crew, uh, so it actually will seat three across the front uh, and three across in the back, so it'll actually take six people. Um, it has the regular uh, hauling capacity of a, of a regular ranger. Um, I very rarely take six people, but um, I really like my ranger. I, I um, have a good relationship, and I encourage anyone out there that's listening uh, that lives in the Phoenix area. Um, there's a guy named Nick Hader, and Nick is the general manager of the uh, Goodyear uh, Ride Now um, uh, Ride Now Polaris uh, right now power sports and they have Polaris they have basically every manufacturer for UTVs and ATVs and he's a hunter and um, I've actually gotten to know him over the last uh, couple of years and he's always taken care of me I've sent a bunch of people his way um, it's you know they're not a sponsor they're not anything like that but he's always taking care of me he's taking care of other hunters so I mean if you're a sportsman if you're a fisherman if you're a hunter you're looking for a new quad looking for an ATV looking for you know parts tires accessories get a hold of Nick he's the general manager he runs the whole deal uh, down there at uh, Goodyear, uh, Goodyear uh, Ride Now Power Sports 
Um, great guy. And uh, I really like that uh, Ranger crew. I like the ability to take six people if I need to, but it's really comfortable for four. Uh, we load up in the morning, take our, take our cooler, um, and we head off with our lunch, uh, with our drinks, all our packs, everything. We go hunt all day out of the Ranger, and it's just a, I definitely say go with the Ranger. It says, ever see big coos bucks near desert sheep or in the same terrain, specifically in 24B and 22? Very rarely, um, to be honest with you, I've seen more coos deer bucks in 24 than 22. Question here says, Kuyu 15 or 30 degree bag? Uh, for most hunts, I'm taking the 30, 30 degree bag. Um, I took the 30 degree bag to the Northwest Territories for my doll sheep hunt. Uh, I took the uh, Kuyu uh, Super Down 15 degree bag to the Chugach. I'm glad I did. The temperatures were a lot colder in the Chugach and that sleeping bag worked perfect. Um, I absolutely love the Kuyu Down sleeping bags. They have a 0, a 15, and a 30. Uh, I actually only have the 15 and 30. I very rarely run into conditions where I would need the 0 bag. Um, but super light, uh, just very comfortable, great bags. Uh, can't say enough about uh, those bags. Now, one of the things too is like I could see myself wearing like the Kuyu long underwear bottoms, long underwear top, and I mean even even some of the mid layers and even the Peloton 240 beanie. Like you know, rather than taking the zero bag, I'd rather layer up a little bit and use the 15 degree bag because it's going to be lighter. Uh, as well as I'd rather carry the 30 degree bag and wear, um, you know, some long underwear to sleep in uh, than carry the, the next size up bag. So that's just something to think about. It says Kuyu Axis or Guide Jacket. Uh, the little that I've worn the Axis jacket, I was down wearing it scouting in Mexico. I just got the jacket. Um, I really like the waterproof paneling. So in other words, picture the jacket and picture like the tops of your arms, uh, the, your shoulders, the top of your hood, across the top of your back, over to your neck, shoulder, and down your arms, uh, basically have the waterproof paneling. And then underneath that, it's a hybrid, so it's more of a breathable material, much like the guide jacket. And then you've got the pit zip, so you can still wear the jacket when it's when you're uh, active. Um, it also has a, a fleece-type lining. It's going to be, in my opinion, uh, the warmer uh, piece than the guide jacket. Uh, and I think they've really hit a home run on uh, the gear that's needed for, you know, it's going to keep you dry in most rain situations. Uh, now, if you have continued rain, uh, you know, like just, you know, 48 hour downpour type stuff, obviously you're going to have to go to your Kuyu Chugach or your Kuyu Yukon, uh, rain gear, but for, you know, intermittent storms and, um, you know, active hunts where you're st spotting stocking and you can always use your pit zips and, uh, I just think it's going to breathe and, and be a real nice piece. Uh, I'm taking mine down here for the month when I go down to uh, coos deer hunt in January. And I'm looking forward to that Axis uh, jacket. And the pants are phenomenal as well. Um, make sure to check it out. The Axis from Kuyu. Go to Kuyu.com. It says, any experience with OTC in Unit 22, Arizona? Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, it's a fantastic unit. It's it's the reason I like it is it's incredibly diverse. You can go all the way up north by uh, Payson and you can have, um, you know, uh, pine trees. Uh, you can have, uh, you know, mid-range stuff. Uh, you can have, you know, you can go all the way down to the south and have, you know, desert. Uh, and you can use that Beeline Highway to access that, uh, to travel up and down and, and have really good access to being able to switch terrain. Uh, and it has both mule deer and coos deer. So I think 22 is a phenomenal unit to hunt in the month of January on those OTC hunts because you can be hunting muleys and coos sometimes in the same spot. Um, or you can be hunting muleys in the, in the morning and, and coos in the afternoon or vice versa it's it's a great very versatile unit 
says, any thoughts on coos hunting in Chihuahua? Um, yeah, uh, there's some giant deer that come out of Chihuahua every year. Uh, normally the density is a little bit lower, uh, from what I hear, a little bit more pockety in Chihuahua, but they for sure, um, some big deer come out of Chihuahua. It's a, definitely a beautiful state. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great place. I love Sonora. I love Chihuahua. I love them both. It says, will the coos deer typical and non-typical state record for AZ ever be broken again? I say, absolutely. All records are made to be broken. Um, I'm sure both of them will with given time. Uh, for sure. Absolutely. What's the best day pack with plenty of room and can still pack out an elk? I get that question a lot. Um, I normally carry the Kuyu Icon Pro 7200 uh, or the Kuyu, uh, the Kuyu Ultra 7000. And guys will say, well, that's not a day pack. I, you know, those packs are so lightweight that if you don't need the space, you can cinch the straps up and you don't even know it's there. But if you need the space, so I typically don't go with the smaller packs very much because, you know, I'm carrying tripods, I'm carrying spotting scopes, I'm carrying my big eyes, I'm carrying all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I typically always carry those 7,000 and larger cubic inch packs. Any experience hunting New Mexico for coos? Like 20, over 20 years ago, I went one time with Cody Nelson and his friend Cody Goff. Uh, I believe both of them had tags over there in Unit 27 in New Mexico. Some absolutely beautiful country. I remember the deer numbers kind of being a little pockety. Um, I know there's some big deer that come out of there. Uh, normally, it's a little bit more pockety than, than, say, Arizona, but I don't have a lot of experience question here how do you hunt how do you archery hunt mule deer during the rut spot and stock or sit water you know i mean the mule deer are a perfect spot and stock animal uh you know i think i think day in and day out if you are able to sorry the neighbor's dog's barking if you can sit water um consistently and and be real consistent about actually sitting uh, on water, I think you'll have a better chance uh, day in and day out of having chances at bucks that are, you know, not alarmed, not alerted. Um, but definitely stocking mule deer is so fun. Um, I hate for anyone to miss out on, uh, you know, not spotting stocking mule deer during the rut. But to be most efficient, I would say probably sitting a good water source is going to be your best chance says uh, what's the biggest coos you've killed or helped kill in arizona um i haven't killed that many coos deer in arizona to be real honest with you nothing extremely big i've helped out on you know some mid hundreds type stuff uh you know low hundreds mid hundreds uh you know 102s 105s those types of bucks uh, but for 20 years, like I've focused most of my time in Sonora, Mexico and, you know, scouting and hunting and what have you uh, down there in in Sonora, um, you know, in Sonora, the biggest deer, uh, 143 and 5 eighths was Glen Hall's uh, buck almost 20 years ago. I think it netted 138 and 5. It was just a giant buck that's only like nine and a half or 10 inches wide. Um, last year, um, Sean DeReemer's buck, uh, ended up officially grossing 142 inches. Uh, I've had handfuls of bucks in that, uh, you know, 120 to 135 type range. Uh, my biggest deer personally is 133. Let's see, like 133 and six eights. I think it netted official 131. Um, just love, love big coos deer for sure. Says November elk bow, better odds. Sounds hard. Hunt water, question mark, glass spot and stock, uh, waste of time points. What do you think? I think sitting water is probably your highest success rate, whether you sit in a tree stand or sit in a ground blind. Uh, I think spot and stock late elk hunting is probably the most challenging thing you can do. They're extremely wary by that time of year and they live in the thickest, nastiest country. They live in the brush and it's really hard to sneak up on them. Um, 
it's definitely not a waste of time, but expect if you're going to do those late archery hunts, expect it to be a really big challenge. And, you know, sneaking up on in that manzanita and that mountain mahogany up on those elk is very, very difficult because it's very noisy. Uh, question here says, which of the Kuyu zip-off bottoms are better for 5 to 20 degree mornings? Uh, that would be the Ultra Merino 210 zip-off bottoms. Uh, they're thicker than the, I believe it's the 145 zip-offs. Go with the 210 zip-offs. So you're going you're gonna to have a lot more uh, warmth um, with that. Guys, I want to take a quick second here to thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, the optics department there in the gear shop. My friend Cody Nelson of 20 plus years is the optics manager He's the new optics manager over there, and the guy really knows what he's talking about when he comes to optics and glassing. I call him the glassing guru, and I've done a, a, a number of series of podcasts with him on glassing and optics, and he just knows a lot about it. Being the glassing guru, um, he loves to have people call him up and talk to him about tripods and about binoculars and spotting scopes and rifle scopes and and all of that. So uh, if you have any optical needs at all uh, there uh, for your hunts coming up or for next fall, uh, reach out to him at, uh, let's see, 702-847-8747. That's extension two. You can also send him an email at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send an email Cody at GoHunt.com. That's C-O-D-Y. Give him a call. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. I also want to tell you guys that the application periods are coming up for uh, all of us across the western states. And uh, if you go to GoHunt.com forward slash J. Scott, you can get a $50 GoHunt gear shop gift card. Uh, for getting a membership of the GoHunt Insider. And the GoHunt Insider is what I use to apply all across the West. It is the best Western hunting resource uh, for draw odds, uh, for strategy articles. Um, if you, any of you do-it-yourselfers out there, any of you guys that go on guided hunts, if you want to know what points it takes, if you want to try and find hidden gym units, you know, low point units, you know, two, three, four points for, for units, you can uh, search by quality of animals, you can search by antler size, you can search by age class, you can search by, um, there's all sorts of things that you can use the filter and search down and actually find some really cool hunts that are kind of slid under the radar. Um, so make sure to go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and get that $50 GoHunt gift card. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's Kuyu, that's K-U-I-U.com. And Kuyu gear is, is what Dar and I use on all of our hunts. Uh, and they make the best ultralight hunting gear out there, whether it's, you know, backpacks, sleeping bags, tents, you know, gear from head to toe that we wear. I was talking about the Super Down Pro and the Ultra and the, you know, the the Ultra, the Kenai Ultra and, you know, the new Axis and go to Kuyu.com, check them out. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Canyon Coolers um, right here in Arizona. If you use the J. Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, they make some awesome coolers, you know, from big ones to small ones. Uh, and everything in between. I'm going to be packing up the big navigator, which you can actually put four elk quarters in, um, using that to go down to Sonora, Mexico with two weeks worth of food for my different trips. Uh, Go to canyoncoolers.com. Use the J. Scott promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, I also want to thank phonescope.com. Use the J. Scott 18 promo code you're going to get a 10% discount that's what I use on all my digiscoping on Instagram Uh, and then last but not least onxmaps.com if you go to uh, onxmaps.com and you use the J. Scott uh, promo code you're going to get a 20% discount there at onxmaps.com I absolutely love Onyx I use it at the Ot6 Ranch in Colorado Uh, I use it down in Mexico. I use it here in Arizona. I just used it on the sheep hunt. Uh, You can text waypoints uh, 
to your buddies. Uh, you can, it, it's just an incredible tool. You can use the measuring tool. You can use the breadcrumb tool. You know, you can use it on the desktop. You can use it on the app. One of the things I like is when you use it on the desktop and you make a bunch of marks and, you know, glassing points and roads, it automatically just immediately transfers to your phone. Um, so that's awesome. I want to thank the sponsors. I want to thank them for their support and uh, making this podcast possible. It, it, I spend a lot of time uh, on this podcast and their support. They support me uh, and it allows me to devote as much time as I do to it. It's a question that says, uh, would you rather hunt doll sheep in Alaska or coos in Mexico? Man, that's a tough choice, uh, but coos are always going to be the closest to my heart. Uh, I've grown up hunting them and just absolutely love that animal. I loved my time this year hunting doll sheep, and I can't wait to go back and hunt doll sheep here again someday. Uh, I had two hunts this summer, uh, one in Alaska, one in uh, Northwest Territories, and it's, they're just an amazing, amazing animal. Um, I think if I lived in the Northwest Territories or if I lived in Alaska and could hunt them more, I think they would very quickly be my favorite animal to hunt. Uh, but coos deer uh, probably are the closest ones to my heart right now. Question here says, if you had to choose antelope hunt with Craig Steele or javelina hunt with Eric Forrest, um, I'd say shoot, both of them are great guys. I've had both of them on the podcast. Uh, they're both characters in their own right. Um, Craig Steele's just uh, an amazing dude, um, a wealth of knowledge, and is, is, is a very hard worker. Uh, Eric Forrest as well, very, very hard worker, um, doing great in school. He goes to that other school down there in Tucson. We won't mention any names, but uh, the same school that ASU just uh, uh, beat in the, in the last football game. I won't talk about that too much. Uh, but uh, like both of those guys, had them both on the podcast, and uh, both would be fun to hunt with. Question here says, what score is a, let's see, what score is a mule and coos deer considered at a trophy buck? Uh, I think it totally depends on the person. You know, a trophy's, uh, you know, eye of the in the eye of the beholder, but for me, you know, 110-inch coos deer and 100 and um, 90 inch mule deer. That's kind of where the threshold is for me, where they, in my eyes, they become a real, a, a true trophy, uh, for sure. Question, non-hunting question, moving to Arizona January 1st, would you be buying or renting right now? Um, depends on how long you're planning to stay. Uh, we have historically low rates, uh, interest rates, which are ticking up. Uh, but the home pricing has climbed very high since the bottom of 2011 as well. So we still have super low rates. I mean, you can still get rates below 5% uh, in some places or around 5%. And that's just crazy low. Um, but I would say here in, the, in Arizona, the prices have really climbed uh, since 2011. So, I mean, I think we are getting a little tippy, a little high. Um, but if you have a long-term outlook and approach, um, you know, 15, 20, 30-year outlook, I don't think you're going to get hurt. Uh, if you have a one or two-year outlook and you want to move on from this house to another one, you know, maybe I would consider uh, holding off and seeing what this market's going to do. Um, my uh, partners, uh, Dar Colburn and, and my nephew, Jay Pyburn, um, they work together uh, at HomeSmart and they focus on residential real estate uh, as well as my dad. Uh, he's with Realty Executive. So, you know, I, I also have a real estate license, but I'm not near as active as I used to be. Um, but I would definitely not hesitate to give Dar Colburn a call. Um, if you're looking at moving here, um, he, he's been doing real estate with me, I want to say since 2000. Um, so, you know, 18 years, maybe it was 2001, so 17 years. And my nephew Jay um, actually has partnered up with Dar and they're working together. Um, both great guys. And so, you know, good question. If you have a short term uh, outlook, I would probably be watching buying right now. Uh, if you have, you know, say any more than a 10-year outlook, I think you'll be fine, uh, especially to take advantage of these lower rates. Question here, what Kuyu gloves do you wear? Um, I'll share which gloves I wear routinely. Um, you know, I wear the, the Peloton 200. 
Uh, you can go to Kuyu.com and go through. They actually have a thing that you can look at all their gloves. Uh, the, the Peloton 200, I actually have several pairs of those, and those are what I wear all the time. Um, you know, they're not waterproof. Uh, excuse me, my thing fell here. Uh, they're not waterproof. Uh, they're just made out of that Peloton synthetic material, but they definitely keep the chill off. Uh, they're definitely a glove that I wear inside of the glassing mitts as well, um, or the glomit gloves. Um, and you know, they give me a uh, really good warmth. Uh, I also like the guide glove. Uh, I like the, the, the petards leather grip. It's got a real grippy, you know, it's, it's real nice. Um, they're real, you know, I, I like wearing them kind of tight to my hand and, and, uh, I really like that guide glove. Um, and then the North star glove is when it's cold and snowy and, and not necessarily snowy all the time, but just a cold glove. Um, I like that North star. Uh, those are my go-to gloves at the Ot6 ranch because you still have full dexterity of your fingers. Um, it's not, it's not a mitten. Um, it's a, it's a full on glove. So each one of your fingers, you know, still has dexterity. Um, and then in my pack, I always have the Super Down Pro Glassing Glomit, um, which is cool because on both index finger or your trigger finger, you can actually slide your finger out a hole and have full use of it. So if you were going to, um, you know, like a the, the Kuyu Glassing Mitts, um, all four of your, your pointer finger through your pinky finger are all in one sleeve, if you will. But the glomit's actually a glove where your pointer finger is separate from your other three fingers. So, you, you know, you can open gates. Um, you can, you know, get in the gun and pull a trigger if you need to. You can use your rangefinder. Um, those are the gloves that I wear. Question says, I hear you answering real estate questions a lot. What is your experience and level and uh, background? Uh, I got my real estate license in Arizona right out of college after graduation. Uh, I started uh, in the business by trial and error. I specialize in vacant land sales from 1997 to 2008. Uh, I still have a real estate license to this day. Uh, I, I was extremely fortunate because I was right in the middle of that 2000 say 2003 to 2008 just boom of real estate here in the Arizona desert I was like at, at the peak of my career so to speak as firing on all cylinders I was buying and selling properties uh, mostly developing vacant land uh, and uh, buying parcels in bulk splitting them down bringing in water power phone bringing in utilities uh, selling them off to developers, selling them off to small builders, and selling them off to end users, uh, and basically took advantage of that huge upswing in the market uh, before it crashed. And then, uh, fortunately, when the market did crash, I had the resources to go out and buy income-producing properties. And so I've learned the value of having uh, monthly income. I've learned the value of buying low and selling high. Uh, and it's taught me a lot having those, um, uh, you know, a different type of real estate other than land. Um, and I've been very, very grateful for all that I've learned uh, in the real estate business. My dad is actually a residential real estate agent. Uh, he does lots of property management uh, here in the, in the Phoenix area. I think he manages so 80 or 90 different rental homes for people and investors. Uh, and I've learned a ton from him. So real estate for me is one of those things that I've learned over the years is very, very cyclical uh, and it's all about timing. And for those of you out there pursuing a real estate career, know that, you know, if your timing is correct, you can make a ton of money at the right time. You got to be patient um, and the market, you know, the market doesn't lie. Um, you know, you have to follow that market, follow the trend, follow people's, you know, buying trends and what have you and see how they're spending money um, to be able to predict market cycles. But um, real estate is a phenomenal uh, thing to invest in if you have, uh, you know, if your timing's right. Uh, and it, it's been a great, um, it's been a great profession for me uh, for many, many years. Uh, so I've had my real estate license, I guess, 20, 21 years now. And I just absolutely love real estate. I love all kinds of real estate. What is a good tripod for binos spotting scopes that's not terribly expensive? 
Um, I like the slick carbon fiber. I've been using it. I've had the same slick carbon fiber tripod for over 10 years, and that's a ton of hunts. That's a ton of abuse. It's a carbon fiber legs. Um, really, really like the tripod. Um, I have the 701 RC2 head. Uh, I have a, uh, also a 700, uh, let's see, HDV head. Um, I understand they discontinued them. They don't make them anymore. Uh, but I've, I've really enjoyed the slick carbon fiber. I'd really look into it. Cody sells them at uh, GoHunt.com uh, gear shop. Uh, make sure to reach out to him at Cody at GoHunt.com or Optics at, go, at GoHunt.com. You can also call him at 702-847-8747, extension 2. Uh, but definitely check out that um, slick tripod. Question, best lightweight rain jacket, Northridge, thoughts? He's talking about the Northridge, the new Northridge Kuyu jacket. Um, the Northridge is a phenomenal piece for super lightweight for always carrying in your pack. Um, it's not going to be as durable as the Chugach and definitely not as durable as the Yukon. Um, the Yukon uh, rain gear by Kuyu is just bomb proof. Um, I love that rain gear. It's super, super um, durable and, you know, super waterproof. Um, but I think the best all around is the middle, which is the Chugach. Um, it's kind of the mid range of, of putting lightweight, uh, together with durability. Um, so if you were just going to buy one, I would probably buy the Kuyu Chugach rain gear. Question here. Have you ever done any fishing in Mexico? I've done some offshore stuff out of San Diego, um, you know, day and two day trips going south, um, uh, down for albacore and such, uh, but haven't done a ton. I've done some fishing out when I was a kid off Rocky Point on a few boats out there, um, but just not tons of, of offshore fishing. I haven't done any bass fishing like at El Salto or Angostura or, you know, some of the different lakes, um, Bacharach. I've, I haven't done that um, down in Mexico, but there's some phenomenal opportunity. Guy says, recently had the Koas stolen. I love them. Would you get them again or your twin spotter setup or the BTX? That's a whole podcast in itself, but um, the Koas are phenomenal piece of glass. The only thing I didn't like about them were two things. One was the weight of the, tr of the binocular themselves and the weight of the tripod. Because they're so heavy, you had to have a heavy tripod. And the fact that they're angled. Uh, I'm more of a straight guy. I don't like the angled as much. I owned the Koas for years. Before that, I had the Dr. Super Wide Angle 40s. Um, I thought the Koas optically were better than the Doctors. Um, I never really did like the angled look to them. Um, and then you compare them to the uh, twin spotters that I use now. The, the key is people need to understand the twin Swarovski uh, spotters. The key to that setup is the 25 to 50 wide angle eyepiece. If you don't have the 25 to 50 wide angle eyepiece, I don't believe the twin spotters is a good piece of binocular. So you have to have, in my mind, the wide angle eyepiece for them to be, to have that field of view and to have that sharpness and to have what I'm looking for in that piece of glass. Um, but I do like the fact that they're only seven and a half pounds with the adapter plate. Uh, the adapter plate is made out of Prescott, Arizona. Uh, Benny Wells at Wells Manufacturing, uh, him and his family make those adapters. They have a machine shop there. Um, I love them because they're a variable. You can be looking at 25, you can find a buck, you can close one eye, go to 50 power focus now you open that eye now you in that eye you're looking at 50 power you close the other eye you know slam it to 50 power focus and now you're looking at that same bucket 50 power um i love the variability of the twin spotters uh for sure now they weigh seven and a half pounds uh the next option is the btx by swarovski which is another just phenomenal piece of gear for the amount of weight that it has it's the lightest weight out of all of them if you go with the 65 mil so the btx is an angled eyepiece and it works with the 65 the 85 or the 95 millimeter objective if you go with the 65 you're going to be at 4.14 pounds total all in said and done if you go with the 95 i believe you're going to be at six uh just under six and a half pounds so that's the lightest option out of the Koas, the Twin Spotters, and the um, 
and the BTX. Uh, the lightest option is that 65 millimeter tube. The heaviest option uh, with the BTX is obviously that 95 millimeter tube. Uh, all three are phenomenal. Somewhat splitting hairs when you start talking about them, but uh, for me, uh, right now, because of the angle, the angle is the only thing that I, well, there's two things that I don't like about the BTX. One is that it's angled and two that it's uh, fixed. I wish it would had a variable power where you could zoom from 30 to say 50 or 60 power. Um, I don't know if Swarovski will ever make a zoomed BTX, but I can tell you that the BTX um, for the weight is really hard to beat. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. Guys, I want to thank you for tuning into the podcast. Um, tried to plow through a bunch of those questions. Hopefully you got some value from them. I really appreciate you guys um, supporting. Sorry, my voice is um, getting a little crackly here, but um, really appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. And I, I want to ask you guys a favor. Uh, if you do listen to the podcast regularly and you're not a subscriber, uh, if you do me a favor and actually subscribe to the podcast, that helps me, helps me with my placement on iTunes. And, um, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to subscribe. I'm not putting you on a mailing list. You're not getting anything from me. I think you know by now I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just trying to give you good information, things that I've learned. Uh, and But if you would subscribe, that would mean uh, a lot to me, and I appreciate that. Uh, guys, I'll probably be talking to you when I get back from Mexico. Uh, hopefully you'll be enjoying a lot of these podcasts that we're going to be doing on the Arizona elk and antelope draw. Uh, and I just appreciate you guys' su support both on my podcast and on my Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, uh, you can at, at jscottoutdoors. Uh, you can also send me an email if you'd like at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can send me a direct message through the Instagram account. And uh, guys, just appreciate all that you do. Uh, for me, I appreciate all the interaction. And God bless.